0: Hey, welcome back to The Weekly Word. My name is Chris Mueller, and what we're going to do for the next, I don't know, 5, 10 minutes is just take a look at the readings for this coming Sunday, February 25th, 2018. That's the second Sunday of Lent. And hey, I have to apologize. I missed a week last week, kind of getting started with this new podcast. We got hit by an all-out Vomageddon, as I like to say. Everyone, like the entire family, was sick with the stomach flu, uh, except for myself and my oldest son, Then I had a trip to Wyoming, I came back, and on the way back, we found out my oldest son, who had missed the stomach flu, had actually come down with the actual flu, kind of the more respiratory thing. So we've been kind of dealing with that. So I do apologize for missing last Sunday. I hope you had a great Sunday. Hope you took the time to get into the readings. Um, And so without any further ado, let's get into it. This weekend, our readings come from Genesis chapter 22, um, from uh, Psalm 116. From Romans chapter eight and from the Gospel of Mark chapter nine, and we begin in Genesis with what is a somewhat familiar story. Abraham is been asked by God uh, to sacrifice his son. Take your son Isaac, your only one whom I, whom you love, and go to the land of Moria, and there you shall offer him up as a holocaust on a height. And I will that I will point out to you. Now, what's interesting here is Abraham does what the Lord asks. Even though it doesn't make sense, it's crazy because God had promised Abraham that he, his descendants would number like the stars in the sky, and and this boy Isaac is the fulfillment of that promise. And then the Lord says, "No, I want him back. Give him to me. Take him up the hill." Um, Abraham must have really trusted God because even in these circumstances that don't make sense, uh, he, he he reacts. He follows. I mean, the life of with the life of his son, he responds in faith, and I imagine. That as Abraham's going up that mountain, there is sorrow. But what's interesting is the sorrow doesn't become despair. The sorrow doesn't become anger. The sorrow was tempered by faith, a faith that trusted in God, even though the call didn't make sense. I think it's also interesting that Abraham's yes to God started him on a path, but the path didn't end up where he thought it was going to. It might be that you're listening to this today and you've felt a God's call in your heart to go into religious life. Or or maybe your child has voiced that he wants to go into religious life and you're not ready to sacrifice that life. I mean, maybe to you, letting a kid go off to be a priest or a religious sister feels like walking up the mountain with Isaac to give them to the Lord. Well, the reality is that saying yes to God, that call to religious life or to vocation, that's just an answer to explore. And we don't really know where God's going to go with that. And so we just kind of have to start with our, yes. Yeah, sometimes God asks a yes of us just to get us moving. And then we don't end up where we thought we'd end up at all. I mean, my current position here at St. Martha's in Murrieta, my wife and I moved out here not to be in ministry at all, but really to sell real estate. I had this plan. I was going to conquer the world and and uh, and go into, into real estate and make a lot of money and all those things. And we got here and God was very clear, no, I want you, I want you to serve this community here at St. Martha's and to work particularly with the teens. And it's been a really blessed season. But had we not responded to that yes to, to leave orange and, and come out to the desert here in Murrieta, or the not quite desert in Murrieta, we never would have known it. What, what's interesting is, is the, that faithfulness of God, though, you're never going to know that faithfulness of God unless you move out in faith. But I think we don't move in faith because we don't trust God. I mean, Abraham trusted God, but do we? Man, that's why the second reading is beautiful, because Paul reminds us that the Father loves us if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but handed him over for all of us, how will he not give us everything else? I think sometimes we approach God's will or just living a Christian life as if we're underneath this sentence of death, that it's, we have, oh my gosh, it's going to be so terrible. We're just going to have to grind through life and we're going to make it to heaven someday. But oh my gosh, for right now, it's just going to be hard. And Jesus said, in this life, you will have troubles. And St. Paul's life is an example of though he lived in in the kingdom of God, he did suffer worldly troubles, but ultimately he knew that God's plan was for his for him. God's plan was for St. Paul. It that God was working for his good. Do you trust that God is working for your good? And that's where faith comes in. I mean, that that's where the faith is to look at the circumstances of our life that really sometimes speak defeat and say, but I, I know that even in this, God is working toward my good. Even in this, God will work towards my sanctification. Even in this, in this trial, I know that God is in victory and I'm going to choose to live with him in that victory, even though the right now doesn't necessarily reflect that. I mean, I, I just think sometimes we as Christians are, don't move in faith because we just don't think that God loves us. And we have to step back and really let what God has done for us sink in. That Jesus, his only begotten son, remember, he asks Abraham in the first reason reading to give the his only son whom he loves. God does that for us. He gives his only son whom he loves for us. Just and, and I know we know it. I know we've been taught it. I know we've heard it. But but if you're a parent, sink, let it sink in. The, the awesome sacrifice. If you're not a parent, you can still grasp this, but this is the awesome Sacrifice of, of God the Father to say, I want you. I, I desperately want you. I, I give my, my only begotten Son, whom I love for you. And remember, the Son is one with the Father. He gives himself for us. So I, I think if we, if, we, if we understand and trust that God loves us this much, then we can't help but want to live our lives in the will of the Father. You know, we, have, we can't help but want to live our lives in the will and in the love of the Father, right? the Spirit, the love of the Father. We want to live our lives in the Spirit, but how do we do that? How do we know the will of the Father? And this is, I think, the crux of the thing. Many, 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 many believers in Jesus Christ go through their lives acting as if we're kind of on our own with a set of rules and guidelines, and that's the, the, the way we get to heaven, and just by strictly following and adhering to the rules. That was Judaism. That's not Christianity. And yes, there are guidelines, and yes, the church gives teachings, and yes, we live our lives within those teachings, but the teachings are not the objective. The teachings are there to get you on the road to heaven. When you run into the teachings and you have conflict with the teachings, that tells you that my heart has moved away from God's will, but just like the laws of our country are not there for the, for, for the, the just, the laws of our country are not there for the people who are living their lives right, the laws are really there for the aberrant few who are going to step out of that, the law of the church... It's for us, but we shouldn't notice it unless we're getting off track, right? We should notice it unless our heart's moving away from God. But how do we know God's will? Okay, well, I love it because the apostles ask in the gospel of John to ask Jesus, how, how can we know the Father? How can we see the Father? Show us the Father. And Jesus says, have you been with me so long that you don't know that I am in the Father and Father is in me? Like you, you're, if you know me, you know the Father. So how do we know God's will? We get to know Jesus. Now, okay, that sounds, super, that sounds super basic, Chris, but really, how much time have you spent getting to know Jesus? The easiest way to do that, and I say this time and time again, I teach it all over the country, the easiest way to get to know Jesus is just read the Gospels. Don't read them in the sing-songy, preachy voice. That's silly. Read them and, and let your mind read them like you're reading the life of a real person. Put the detail, you know, let, let let God's voice not be the Jesus of Nazareth kind of British spacey-eyed voice, but take the time to read it, to be familiar with it, to read it slow enough and try not to run through the stories like, oh, I've heard that before, but really sit with it. And what you'll find happen is as you read the life of Jesus Christ, you'll begin to more intimately know the personality of Jesus. You're going to get to recognize him. One You're going to start to see how he lives his life. And Jesus lives his life as a model for us, how we're supposed to live our life. Jesus lives his life in union with the Father through the Holy Spirit. We're supposed to live our lives in union with the Father and the Son through the Holy Spirit. That's why the Holy Spirit came. So he's teaching us how we do that. So we're going to, as we read scripture, we pray through that scripture. We're going to ask God to conform our life to his. And in, in that way, the Father's will is being revealed. But also, as we begin to read Scripture, we recognize Jesus' voice, recognize His personality. What we're going to find is, in our daily prayer, as we're just being sensitive to the to the action of the Holy Spirit, we're going to hear God speaking into our lives. Little nudges, little little things. And in, in a time of of trial, you're just going to hear God whisper, "I love you. I'm with you. I'm near you," and you'll recognize it. In, in a In a in a work situation or a school situation, you'll see when somebody's suffering, who's just hurting. And your heart will break for them. And you hear the voice of the Lord say, I just need you to go be me right now. I need you to bring me into that situation. And you'll move in faith like Abraham. Scripture says to those who have, more will be given. To those who have not, even what they have will be taken away. As you move in faith, you're going to receive more faith. Or you're not. You're going to sit there on the sidelines and not do anything. And you won't receive that faith. The reality is that we have a God who loves us, who desperately loves us, who, who came and offered himself for us. If God loves us like this, who can be against us? If the God who did not spare his own son, but handed him over for us all, how will He not give us everything else? We have to start trusting God. We have to start putting ourselves in a position to have a relationship with God so that we can start moving in faith. I think there's a church, there's a world today that looks at Christianity and it says, they're all talk. They're all talk. It's all about rules. It's all about like some sort of imposed morality. It's all a social structure. And the reason they say that is because the witness of the saints is not visible to them. If God is for us, who can be against us? But then we need to be going out into the world because the reality is no one is going to be against us unless we start moving in faith and and, and trusting God to move with in and through us. So I hope that's a challenge for you this weekend. I hope you look at those readings and and I hey, that's what's standing out to me. This is not a replacement for the homily, It's just a primer to get you started. Um I I hope that you will take the time to read through the liturgy of the word before you head into mass this Sunday or if you're catching this after Sunday, hopefully it'll be just a, a little refresher. And uh if if you would, I I'd, I'd ask you if you could please just do me a favor this week, go to chrismueller.co. That's my website. It's chrismueller.co. Click the link for the Chris Mueller Project. What you're going to see there is something I'm I'm really excited about. It's a television show for Catholic families. I don't think like anything you've ever seen before. We're, we're I think we're going to reach people who are not getting reached, I, and and you're going to be surprised. You're going to laugh. You're going to enjoy it. You're going to see. Wow! I can see how this could serve people. Do me a favor, take a look at it. And if, if God moves your heart, we would love your support. We cannot make this show without the support of people like you. So God bless. We'll catch you next time on The Weekly Word.